Luke 5, verses 33 through 39. They'll have it on the screen for you. Verse 33 says, One day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Jesus responded, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. But some the groom, someday the groom will be taken away from them and they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For the new garment would be ruined and the new patch wouldn't even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. For the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. But no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. I want to preach a sermon today just titled New Wine. If you will, let's pray. Father, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for this time together. God, thank you for the freedom and the liberty that you've given us, Lord, just to gather in your house today. God, don't ever let us take it for granted, Father. Lord, I pray that you just move me out of the way, God. Do what only you can do in this place, Lord. Speak through me, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that before we close, Lord, that you help your people understand. God, help us bring new wine. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. What we just read was a parable in the gospel, and the parables are so rich and full of wisdom. And I love this one. I just want us to digest it, what the Word of God is speaking to us today. So Jesus first uses the illustration of the unshrunk cloth. And you know, most of our clothing, thank goodness, comes pre-shrunk, because if not, you'd be going to buy a large, and you could realize that you an extra small by the time you get done in the dryer. But... Back in Jesus' time, it was a little different. They didn't just go to American Eagle, or they didn't just go to Belk and pick out an outfit, and that'll do. But when they washed their garments, they would shrink because they weren't pre-shrunk. And at some point, though, when they washed them multiple times, it would already shrink as far as it was going to shrink. But for example, say you get a hole in one of your clothes and you sew a raw piece of unshrunk material, and when you go to wash it, the garment doesn't shrink, but the patch will. Then what do you do? No one would sew a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. It just doesn't make sense. Then the next illustration he gives is the parable, and the parable is the wineskins. And, you know, I ordered, because I'm a very visual person, i got to see it to believe it. So I ordered an $18 one off Amazon. There were some that were like $200. I'm like, nope, this one will do. But what it was, it is, it's a goat skin that they would sew together to hold their wine back in their day or water in our days. But, you know, they didn't have the big 40-ounce Stanleys um, just traveling around, 40 bucks just hanging around, acting like it's nothing. For some of us, we get the 30 ounces, and we're just fine with it. But... They didn't use bottles back in those days. This is what they use. And when the wineskins were new, they were flexible. They still had the ability to stretch. So if you had a new wineskin and you filled it with wine that was still fermenting and still expanding, that was no problem. But when you filled up an old wineskin that could no longer stretch, what you would have is 
it would burst. It was all stretched out. And, you know, sometimes when the wineskins would get older, they became brittle. You know, you can kind of just touch them, and you can tell that that one's not going to last. You see, new wine in the process expands. A little bit of science for you. It releases carbon dioxide, and that gas has to go somewhere. It can't be trapped in. So when you took the old wineskin, you filled it with new wine, the new wine would expand, it would bust the wineskin, and you would lose both the skin and the wine as well. So I want you to stay with me and see where I'm going. So let's talk about a word that we all like to say that we like, but we don't really like the process of it. And that's the word growth. Everybody say growth. Wow, you all are alive. 845 crowd. I thought I was going to have to do CPR on them. All right. Let's look at Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 40, and then we're going to jump down to 52. It says, there was a child, talking about Jesus, grew up healthy and strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was upon him. Now let's jump down to 52. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all the people. You see, Jesus was fully man. He had to grow up just like all of us, both physically and scripture even says that he had to grow in wisdom and in stature and in favor with people, with God and all the people. It makes me feel a whole lot better because I don't have to just wake up and, you know, everything just be all right, full of wisdom. It's a process. Say it's a process. It's a process. All right. You see, growth is something that we like to talk about. We like to hop it up. And, you know, first of the year, we set all these goals. You know, we're going to get in the gym. That's a lie. We're going to do a diet. That's a lie. We're going to do all these things. But we don't like the process because come March, we're over here eating a bag of chips at 5 in the morning, just hanging out, not at the gym. But we don't like it because it can stretch us. We like growth. We like the end result but we don't like the process. How it can cause us to be uncomfortable, how it can stretch us. But we like the ideal because we like the results of it. You see, to grow means a conscious effort to advance. Let's say that one more time. Grow means a conscious effort to advance. You know, if Jesus needed to grow in Scripture, don't you think we need to as well? You know, Caitlin loves to decorate for fall. I'm a Christmas person. As soon as you put out a Christmas tree, I turn into a big kid. It is what it is. Can't help it. But, so she got all of our fall stuff out. She decorated the house. She went and bought some new stuff. And she went to decorate the porch, and then we got a big mum to put out there. And sometimes, Caitlin forgets always to water the mum. So every now and then, it gets a little bit dry. So I walk by it and see it in the front door. I'm like, poor mum. It's screaming Give me water. Give me water. I can hear it. But so every now and then when I go by, I'll give it some water. And, you know, things grow only when they are acted upon. Things grow only when they are acted upon. If I just left that mum and never watered it, we would be having a mum funeral before it was over with. But people say they want to grow, but they don't want to put forth the effort that it takes. So I want you to ask yourself, am I willing to grow? Am I willing to grow? In the parable, Jesus used the description to explain that he, had not, he didn't come to patch up the old religious system with all of its rules and all of its traditions. 
But his purpose was to bring in something new. Though it had been prophesied for centuries. And this message, the good news, said that Jesus Christ, God's son, come to earth to offer all forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with God. You see, the good news did not fit the old, rigid, legalistic system of religion. It needed a fresh start. The message will always remain new because it must be accepted and applied in every generation. And when we follow Christ, we must be prepared for new ways to live, new ways to look at people, and new ways to serve. You know, I love that the gospel never changes, but it is always new. You see, don't let the enemy tell you that God's word is old news, that it's irrelevant, not needed. Because scripture tells us in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Some of us don't like it because it exposes us. But if you say that you want to walk, you want to grow in your walk with Christ, but you aren't studying God's word that he has given us, you can't grow. You have to be willing to let it cut you a little bit. You have to be willing to grow from it. So why do we love the old? And I'm not talking about age or nothing like that. Talking about why do we love the old? Well, the old, we love the old because our brain tells us that old is better. For those of you that are introverted extroverts, darling, I, makes no sense at all, but it is. But we don't like new things. Don't like new environments, don't like new ideals because it doesn't look as good as the old. The old is familiar, so we think it's better. We also love the old because it is comfortable. Does everybody like to be comfortable? So in staff retreat a few years ago, we read a book called Uncomfortable Church. And the church is so guilty of refusing change and growth because we don't want to be uncomfortable. Nobody wants to be uncomfortable. We don't want those new people to sit in our seat. I see some of y'all. Some of y'all holy but hood, right? You just come right out and I see you eyeballing those people when they go to your seat. We don't want people to join our connect group because then we have to talk to someone else and we don't really like talking to people. We don't want people coming to here looking different than what we look like because they don't fit in. But did you know that the entire word of God calls us to do? To be uncomfortable. Jesus' life was full of being uncomfortable. I'm sure, it wasn't, I'm sure it wasn't comfortable going to the cross. I'm sure it wasn't comfortable going and doing what all that the Father had planned for him to do, but he knew that he had a mission. So when we talk about why we love the old, but what does new really mean? New means moving briskly to agitate. I want you to let that sink in. Moving briskly to agitate. No wonder we don't like the new. And when I think of the word agitate, I automatically think of Nanny. And the fact that if you ask her, she don't like the new washers because they don't have an agitator and they're just not as good. They don't get those clothes clean or nothing like that. But 
I began to think about the older washing machines, and now some of them have an agitator that you can pull in and out, and I just don't understand that. But they get all in the clothes, and they, they get them all clean. They agitate them, pushing them around, getting the stains out, making sure they're nice and clean. And sometimes we may say that makes them look all new again. But that's why we don't like new is because we don't want to be agitated. We don't like to get out of our routine. Listen, I'm a routine person. You mess up my routine in the morning, you've got a long day ahead of you. But new also means to be in a shaken state. See, the old means long standing and worn out. We have to hold on to it because we are comfortable with it. You see, change, growth, and revival is not comfortable. You know, we've been blessed with growth around here, and I just look around just what God has done just in the past year. It just it amazes me. But that doesn't mean that with the growth that it's all been butterflies and rainbows and nothing has ever happened. And I'll just be real transparent, just, and I know I'm speaking on behalf of all the staff, but growing pains are real. And when the enemy begins to sense kingdom growth, he tries to plan division, bitterness, and destruction. And I'm thankful for what God's doing here, but the growth that we've experienced, the souls that have been saved, the lives that have been changed, the chains that have been broken, but don't think for one minute that the enemy has not tried to single-handedly destroy it. Sometimes it feels like hell has been released and every demon has sent an attack. That's because Satan himself is threatened. He doesn't like the army that is being built. He doesn't like when we talk about change or we talk about growth. He doesn't like when we talk about the new wine. So I want us to consider when farmers were preparing for the new wine. They had to prepare a place to put them. They had to make a choice to, A, use the old wineskins and risk them busting, or they could, B, prepare new wineskins before they even had the new wine. Let that sink in. They had to prepare the new wineskins before they even had the new wine to put in them. The old wineskins couldn't be stretched anymore in the state that they were in at that moment. There wasn't room for the new wine to expand. So they had to make a choice. Would they make room for the growth or would they reject the growth? And when we go back in Luke 2 that we read earlier, it tells us that Jesus had to grow. But he had to make the conscious decision and if Jesus had to grow, don't you think we should be doing the same thing? Are we willing to be stretched? Are we willing to make a change and prepare for growth? Change in our personal relationship with Christ. Change in our marriage. Change in our finances. Change in our kids. Change in our church. But growth comes at a cost. You see, in order to get the new wine, we have to pay for it with the old. We can't just ask for the new wine without the new wine skin. We have to be willing to put the work in. The blood, the sweat, the tears, it comes with the cost, and it's not cheap. 
You see, the new wine comes with when you become bothered in yourself. Won't you let that sink in? The new wine comes when you become bothered in yourself. When you decide that you're tired of being stagnant. When you decide that you're tired of seeing no growth, you're tired of seeing no change. When you have no desire to grow or change yourself. Maybe you're stuck in a rut. Maybe you're just in a funk. And let's be honest here. Maybe you're burnt out. But you have to be willing to recognize the problem. And you have to decide that the old wine isn't good enough. You see, I asked Abby a couple weeks ago as the Lord began to deal with me on this message to sing before I preach. And if I was guessing, I would say some of you are sitting there thinking, why are they singing about alcohol today? And I hope and pray before this message that you understand the power of that song. But in the first verse, it says, in the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. And I love that. You see, new wine is a process. You have to desire the new wine because it comes with a cost, like we've said. But also, it takes a consistent process. You see, back in the Bible days, making what they called wine was a three- to five-day process. And you couldn't neglect any of the steps or you wouldn't get the same result. First, grapes were harvested by hands. And I want you to get a visual image of this. And secondly, they would use their bare feet. They would put the grapes in a bucket and they would use their bare feet to squish all the juice out of the grapes. The juice would begin to flow freely. And then they would put it in clay jars and they would transfer it to the wineskins to allow the aging process to begin. And in that, that's when the carbon dioxide would be released and all that. But I think about our walk with Christ, about how when we ask for the new wine, sometimes it feels like we've got the crushing and the pressing going on. Think about it. When you feel like your life is just falling apart, everything's coming at you a hundred million miles, and all you can feel like is, God, I'm just trying to do your work. While we are going through this process, this change, this growth, there's new wine being formed, and sometimes we don't even see it. And lastly, I love this part. Did you know that old wineskins can become new again. Old wineskins can become new again. And you may ask, how in the world can old become new? The answer to that is you soak them in oil. When you have an old wineskin that is brittle, and you can tell that it can't take no more. I want you to think about that in your own life. Can't take the stretching. Can't take the growth. Can't take the process. You soak them in oil. And then you begin to massage out the stretching to make it new again. And in that condition is when an old wineskin can become new again. Because it can take the pressure. It can take the stretching. And you see, anytime oil is mentioned in Scripture, it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit. 
And God, I pray that no matter how stiff I may become sometimes, I pray that I would be soaked in the Holy Spirit so that I can be stretched. Lord, help us not to get stuck in tradition. God, don't let us get stuck in song-style choices, whether the lights are on, whether they're off. Lord, don't let us get stuck in our programs and our rituals. Lord, help us not to get stuck in my four and no more. But God, I pray that you would pour out your oil and soak us today so that we can prepare for the new wine. You know, sometimes God speaks to me in some of the weirdest ways, and it's because my brain is like a squirrel, just goes crazy, doesn't really know what it's doing. But as I was preparing for this message, I had a flashback to elementary school, which has just been a few years. But I thought about the movie that we used to watch, and I hated the beginning of it because it was all in black and white and just gloom and doom. And then all of a sudden it turned into color, and I'm like, okay, I can, I can dig this. But the story of, some of y'all may know it, The Wizard of Oz, will always be one of my favorites. And the Lord reminded me of the Tin Man. But you see, the Tin Man was in a rut. He was stuck. Couldn't move. And there was no way for him to grow in his condition. He knew the only thing that would bring him relief was the oil from the oil can. Stick with me, I'm going somewhere. The tin man's problem was that he got stiff and rusty and couldn't act on what his heart was telling him to do. And the same thing can happen to us if we're not careful. We get hard towards the things of God and we try to do them ourselves. Try to do them our own way. And oftentimes it is only when we can find that we can't do anything that we humbly put our trust in Him. And when we come to that realization, we become thankful that He sorted our heart and given us a purpose for living, that no longer are we trying to do everything on our own. Because just like the tin man, we need to be free. We realize that the spiritual oil that God gives us is exactly what we need. There is freedom and change that comes from that. You know, we're not meant to walk this life alone. Christ said that he would take our burdens and carry them for us. And because of that spiritual freedom he gives us, we are thankful for the transformation that occurs. So where are you at today? If you'll go ahead and stand with me this evening or this afternoon. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe your relationship isn't where it needs to be. Maybe you're like the tin man and you're all rusted up and you need the oil from the oil can to straighten you back out. What does your wineskin look like today? Is it new and ready for the new wine? Or is it old, weathered, about to bust? Maybe it already has. Or does it need to be soaked in oil to prepare for the stretching that new wine brings? 
wherever you're at today, I, I want your prayer to be, Jesus, bring new wine out of me. I want to do something just a little bit different. I want them just to sing a verse and chorus of that song. And I want you to just close your eyes and evaluate. God, where am I at? God, what does my wine skin look like?